0: Hello and welcome to episode 370 of the UK True Crime Podcast. I'm Adam. So that was Christmas then for another year. I hope you had a good one. And now that we look forward to 2024, which for you is hopefully going to be amazing. Thank you so much for listening to my podcast this year. And I'm just hoping that this is the year I finally make the breakthrough and become the UK's 36th top true crime podcast. We all have to dream high, right? On to today's story, which comes from the south coast of England and it focuses on a man who was so ordinary and so forgettable that he would just blend into any crowd. But his desire for sex and control, his willingness to use extreme violence and seeming lack of any conscience made him highly dangerous. Let me share the following chilling quote from this man. The things I have done weigh heavily on my heart, on my head and my soul a psychopath of a conscience. It's a joke, really. This episode is brought to you by AG1, a comprehensive and convenient supplement with over 70 high-quality ingredients in one simple scoop that supports physical and mental health. I've been drinking AG1 for a few weeks now, as it's so quick and easy to fix to my busy schedule. It tastes great, and by starting my day with AG1, it helps inspire other healthy habits during the week. So let's look at just two of the real benefits I get from AG1. Firstly, focus on energy. AG1 contains rhodelia, magnesium and B vitamins to support sustained energy throughout the day without the caffeine crash you get from coffee. Number two, immune health. AG1 is my daily dose of vitamin C, zinc, functional mushrooms and more to support overall immune health. What is really important to all of us is knowing just what we're putting into our bodies, right? and AG1 used the highest quality ingredients and the strictest manufacturing standards. This process involves exhaustive testing and verification that every single serving of AG1 is exactly what you see on the label, and that it's tested for heavy metals, contaminants, and over 280 banned substances. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com slash Crime. That's drinkag1.com slash crime. Check it out. Okay, so let's set some context for today's story with our guest a month and year game. At number one in the UK music charts was Body from Tion Wayne and Russ Millions. In the US, it was Driver's License from Olivia Rodrigo. And in Australia, top on the album charts was Architects with For These Who Wish To Exist. In the news this month, former French president Little Nicolas Sarkozy was sentenced for three years for trying to bribe a judge. The Australian Attorney General Christian Porter denied a rape allegation involving a 16-year-old girl in 1988. Prince William, or One Pint Willie, as Mike Tyndall referred to him this week, commented that the royal family is very much not a racist family in his first public comment since that interview by publicity-shy Harry and Meghan. In UK True Crime News, there was shock and horror in the UK following the murder of Sarah Everard by a serving police officer. Like many of you, I was further shocked by the ridiculously heavy-handed approach shown by the police at the vigil in South London to mourn Sarah during which four arrests were made. This month saw the death of Mighty Leeds United legend Peter Lorimer at just 74 and also the death of the voice of Formula One Murray Walker, who died aged 97. Okay, so did you guess the month and year? It was March 2021. Did you get it? Or were you just a, a month or two off? Today's story comes from St. Leonard's-on-Sea in the Hastings District of East Sussex. It's about 70 miles southeast of London and 35 miles east of Brighton. There are way too many global celebs from this part of the world to mention, but the one probably best known to all of us is 2018 PDC World Darts Championship winner and 2019 PDC World Matchplay Champion, of course, that's Rob Cross. You've been watching the darts this Christmas? I haven't seen any of it this year. can't believe it. 40-year-old Mark Brown lived in St. Leonard's. The father of one had lived with his partner for almost 14 years and they had a child together. Work-wise, he was in the groundworks industry and when we joined the story today, he was working at a building site not far from his home at Sevenoaks in Kent. One of Mark's other passions was cars and he loved to tinker with them so he rented a yard with buildings and a shipping container at Littlebridge Farm in Westfield, near St Leonard's, not far from his home. Unbeknownst to his partner, Mark regularly paid for sex, and he usually used the popular website Adult Work to do so. On the 8th of June 2018, he bought the services of sex worker Alexandra Morgan, and he met her at her home in Sissinghurst in Kent. Alexandra was a single mum to two young children, with a close family, none of whom were aware that she used sex work to earn some extra money. The meeting went very well and they continued to message on the website and met again almost two weeks later on the 21st of June for sex. This time they met at the place on the farm rented by Mark, Littlebridge Farm. Mark was clearly happy with this arrangement as the pair met again seven times during August and September. For Alexandra, this was purely business, but their conversations had moved away from the Adult Work website to WhatsApp, and Mark sent Alexandra a WhatsApp message on the 23rd of October that year, offering her more than £100,000 for a four-day escorting job, which included some adult filming, a huge sum. But Alexandra believed him to be a wealthy man, After all, during the time she'd known him, he'd already bought her a car. And this money could be life-changing for Alexandra and it would enable her to leave sex work and she excitedly began searching business ventures that she could start with this cash. On the 13th of November, Alexandra's parents picked up her children and her dog so she could meet Mark. She didn't tell them what she was doing, of course. She told her parents that she was away with a friend on a spa retreat for some much-needed R&R, but instead, she planned to drive to Littlebridge Farm to meet Mark. But Alexandra didn't return home from her trip to pick up her children and dog as planned. Her family knew something must be wrong, seriously wrong. This was completely out of character for Alexandra, and her mum reported her missing on the 18th of November. There were no clear signs about what had happened to Alexandra none of her friends had seen her. So two days later, Kent Police's major crime unit started an investigation to find out just what had happened to her. Detectives quickly got a break as they saw Alexandra on CCTV at 7.20am at a garage close to her home in Sissinghurst, Kent buying petrol for her mini. This was the day when she was leaving to go on the spa trip, or so her parents thought. The police technical experts got into gear to find out where she went from here. And using automatic number plate recognition records, CCTV for more than 100 rural locations, and mobile phone data, detectives were able to place Alexandra's white Mini driving the 18 miles to Little Bridge Farm. And security cameras at the scrapyard opposite the farm recorded key footage about 30 minutes later at 7.58am that morning. It clearly showed Alexandra's car entering the farm along the second vehicle, a gold Jaguar. And it was quickly identified that this car was owned by Mark Brown. Was Mark responsible for Alexandra's disappearance? Detectives swung into action and looked more into Mark and his history. They soon confirmed he had no criminal records, but his internet history confirmed he had met Alexandra via adult work and a number of other women too from that site. There were some worrying searches he'd made online, especially that he'd repeatedly searched the internet for violent sexual content. Detectives feared that he had murdered Alexandra at the remote farm and he was arrested on suspicion of Alexandra Morgan's murder. The day before his arrest, Brown told his boss that he expected to be arrested for double murder. He said, I'm going away for 25 years to life. He complied with detectives during interviews, telling him that he'd paid Alexandra for sex on the day she came to the farm. But once they'd finished, she left the farm and that was about 45 minutes after she arrived. He said he really wanted to help detectives find Alexandra, but he just didn't know what had happened to her detectives carried out a full search of the farm looking for any sign of Alexandra. They drained a large pond which was half the size of a football pitch as well as searching a container and a barn where Brown worked on his cars but they found nothing. Back in her home, it seemed that Alexandra had maybe experienced some concerns about Brown and she'd left some clues about her whereabouts for that weekend. She left a note addressed to one of her sons. It said let's go rollerblading and this was a clue to go to a box under a tv in his bedroom where his rollerblades were kept in that box there was two thousand pounds in cash a significant sum for alexandra and there was a note that could be referred to almost as a breadcrumb trail i suppose there was a mobile phone and a pin number which revealed the elaborate story that brown had woven for alexandra taking her to his property for a weekend of work for which he would pay her £100,000. There was also there the postcode for Littlebridge Farm. It was as if she was sending a sign. On the 28th of November, Brown was charged with the murder of Alexandra Morgan, but there was still no sign of her body. But then in December, an extensive search was carried out at the Seven Oaks building site, where he was currently working. Hundreds of bone and tooth fragments were found in an oil barrel, ...that had been dumped on the skip there... ...and forensic odontologists... ...confirmed that those teeth and bones... ...belonged to Alexandra Morgan. When confronted with this evidence... ...Brown had no choice but to change his story. He admitted that Alexandra had died at the farm... ...but he claimed it was because she had slipped and fallen on a tool... ...or a piece of mechanical equipment in his workshop. He said she had gone to get cigarettes from his car... ...when he heard a noise and he caught a glimpse of her in mid-air, as she fell like a cartoon where someone slips on a banana skin. He said there was a loss of blood, and he thought that Alexandra had died. He said he tried to save her by placing a beach towel under her head to try to reduce the bleeding, and he checked her pulse and performed CPR. He covered up the death, he said, as he didn't think he would ever be believed. I had a dead escort on my workshop floor. What would it look like? How would I prove she'd had an accident? It looked like a murder scene, he said. So he put her body in a sleeping bag and set fire to it. He decided he would dispose of the body in an incinerator made from an oil drum. And three days later, on the 17th of November, Brown and a friend moved Alexandra's car away from the farm to another part of St Leonard's and they put false number plates on the car. He then dumped the oil barrel containing her remains in the skip at the building site in Sevenoaks. As detectives continued to search the farm, they found medication in Brown's work van, belonging to another woman, a woman called Leah Ware. A quick check showed that Leah had also sold sex on adult work, and she was missing. 33-year-old Leah was a mother of three children. She lived near Hastings and had led something of a chaotic life, with a history of mental illness and drug use. Due to these issues, she had lost custody of her three children and she had a history of abusive relationships in which she was often controlled and manipulated. She first met Brown in 2018 on the Adult Work website, where he approached her under the username, hmm, let me spell it rather than attempt the pronunciation, it is F-I-S-T-Y-M-C. This relationship went beyond Brown buying sex from Leah and the couple started a adult relationship. By the end of that year, they rented a flat together, although Brown was living a double life. He was still with his long-suffering partner. 6 months later, when the lease on that flat expired, Leah moved to a shipping container at Littlebridge Farm, which Brown had adapted for her to use. The relationship was by all accounts not an equal one, and Brown was controlling. The container had a kitchenette and a bedroom which could be locked from the outside, and sometimes Leia was locked in their bedroom while he went to work. Friends of hers came forward to the police to share the concerns they had about Leia's relationship with Brown, with one saying that she was a sort of voluntary prisoner at the lockup. She explained that Leia was not allowed to have friends to the yard and he would bring things to her like medication, food and supplies and he even collected her benefits rather than allowing her to leave the yard to get them. Leia told another friend that Brown wanted to photograph her bound and gagged and she described him as creepy or weird when her friend asked why she wanted to live in a dark and dingy container on a remote farm with a man who has another girlfriend. Leah Ware was last seen on the late evening of May the fifth, and the early hours of the sixth of May, 2021, with a friend who was a convicted drug dealer. That evening, the pair took drugs and had sex. And on the seventh of May, Leah's phone disappeared from the network. Phone mask records showed that Brown was with Leah at the farm at that time, and detectives believe that she was killed on that day. The next day. Leah Weir's phone was switched off for the last time. Later that month, Brown rejoined the Adult Works site where he again began contacting sex workers. He told detectives he was only there because he was looking for Leah to see if she had returned to the website. Brown told police that he and Leah had broken up in the early 2021 and as far as he was aware, she was still alive. He explained about the last time he saw her saying, I went to the farm on May the 7th and when I got back to the workshop I found a note tied to the door handle in a blue plastic bag. It said, I'm sorry boo, I'm going to get this sorted and get help. Please don't let this be the last shot. Please can you pick up meds and money for me, my card is at your sister's and leave it in the Burtmobile. I love you. He said he threw the note away. When asked if he wasn't worried and why didn't he report her missing he said, as far as I was concerned, she was on the run. She didn't want to be found by anybody. he told different things to different people. He'd told some that she'd been sectioned due to her mental health issues, while he told others that she'd actually killed herself. But detectives were in no doubt that Brown had murdered her. Now, those of us with pets know how much we adore them, and Leah lived at the farm with her two dogs, Duke and Lady, and she utterly utterly loved them but in the days immediately after detectives believed she died duke was rehomed with brown's sister but lady a pomeranian was not found alive and during the search of the farm the skeletal remains of a pomeranian were found in a pond on the site at the end of a collar tied down with a weight detectives believe that leia was killed and disposed of in the same way as alexandra after tensions grew when she pushed him to finally leave his partner of 14 years. Brown said that the relationship with Leia was a difficult one, admitting that he was hurting her emotionally, and that they were fighting all the time over Leia's drug use and his refusal to leave his partner. He said he had told Leia that he would not leave his long-term partner until his eldest child turned 16, but she didn't want to wait, and she wanted them to have a proper relationship. Understandably, he continued to collect Leah's benefits and medication after the day she died to try to prevent her disappearance becoming known, and he had taken over £12,000 from the state. 41-year-old Mark Brown faced a jury accused of murdering 33-year-old Leah Ware from Hastings East Sussex and 34-year-old Alexandra Morgan from Sissinghurst in Kent. A message he sent to a friend was read out at the beginning of the trial which said The things I have done weigh heavily on my heart, on my head and my soul. A psychopath of a conscience, it's a joke really. Another message he sent to a friend was also read to the jury which the prosecution said hinted at the process he used to dispose of the two women's remains. I'm going to be very careful how I word this, the message said. It happened again not very long ago when disposing of something. It's a very unpleasant thing to do an old oil drum, five litres of diesel and hey presto, there's not much left. The jury of ten men and two women took ten and a half hours to conclude their deliberations and reached a unanimous verdict of guilty. Brown stared ahead with a blank expression as the verdict was read out. There were gasps from the public gallery where the families and friends of the dead women were sitting. Being the coward he was, Brown chose not to attend the sentencing. But before the judge read out his sentence, the court heard a victim statement from Leah's mum, she said. He continues to extend his sadistic torture of our family's life by not telling us what happened to her. She lost her life because Mark Brown wanted to gratify his depraved desires. He controlled and manipulated every aspect of her life, and then when he'd had enough, he discarded her like a piece of dirt. She was always the cheeky, bubbly woman. The saddest part was that she did not know that the man she loved was pure evil. He committed the worst crimes known to man, and he does not deserve to walk the streets again. The court also heard from Alexandra Morgan's parents, who said, She was bright and energetic with a determination to succeed. She had challenges, but she was overcoming them, and had hopes for her future with her two children whom she adored. The judge gave Brown two life sentences to be served concurrently, and told him that he would spend a minimum of 49 years in prison. This means he would die in jail. Passing sentence, the judge said, No sentence I pass is any measure of the lives lost. Nothing can put right what the defendant has done, that is not possible. His conscience is untroubled by what he has done. Speaking outside Hove Crown Court following the verdict, the lead detective said that they'd contacted Brown's solicitors and tried to visit him in prison to ask what he did with Leia's remains, but to no avail. When asked of Brown's decision not to attend their sentencing, he said, Mark Brown is a man who needs to be in control. I think perhaps this is one of the final vestiges of him trying to retain some control or trying to assert some authority over the people involved in these proceedings. I think it's a sign of what a repulsive person he really is. Mark Brown didn't like to hear a bad word said about him. This is about responsibility, and he didn't want to take it. So what do you make of what we've heard today? Another inadequate and controlling man who preyed on victims he felt were weak due to challenges in their lives, and he believed he could exploit them. One of the aspects that really upsets me about his behaviour is that he literally just discarded Alexandra and Leah like rubbish when he'd finished with them. These were two mums with loving families who loved them very much. They were women using sex work at a difficult phase in their lives, but with the hope of much better times ahead. But these opportunities were taken from them by Brown. And once again we see a killer, unable to keep the details to himself. Someone who has to brag about the crimes he has committed. And why did he actually do it? What were the motives? He killed Leah as it seemed she rightly wanted to leave the semi-captivity in which she was living and establish a less chaotic life so she could be reunited with her children. But why did he kill Alexandra? As she had seen through his boasting, the paying her, The ridiculous amount for a weekend, was that really the reason? For Alexandra, it was purely a business transaction when he paid her for sex, so there's no need at all to hurt her. Or had he wanted a relationship and not been able to handle it when she turned him down? Quite why he killed her is unclear, and tragically. It seems unlikely he would ever reveal the real reason to her family. But what we do know for certain is that due to Brown's actions... Five children have no mum, and his own child has no dad. And now, as you listen to this podcast, he's banged up in his cell where he's going to remain for the rest of his life. That's a long time, isn't it, to reflect on your actions? But enough of him. All we want for him is to finally do the right thing, speak to Alexandra's family, and reveal what happened to Leah. As always, let's end this podcast thinking about what could have been for Leah and Alexandra. And sending our love to their families who will never have the opportunity to share Christmases, birthdays and other happy occasions with them. Thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the UK True Crime podcast. To discuss this story and any other aspect of UK True Crime, please head to Facebook and join 92,000 of us who talk UK True Crime 24-7. It's many things, it's never dull. If you would like to support the show, and why wouldn't you, it's Christmas after all, please do head to patreon.com slash UKTrueCrime for bonus episodes and loads more exclusive content. It's a great time to join, as membership is currently heavily discounted for annual membership. You can get 15% off, so please do join us today. A huge thank you to the latest members of this community. That's Dianya Breheni. <laughs> Apologies for how I pronounced your name. David Lever, Robert Horton, Claire Greenaway, Gemma Gold and Chris Agent. Thank you all so much. Your support is much, much appreciated. So if you're not supporting me at Patreon yet, please do join our community at patreon.com forward slash crime and help me to continue to release free weekly content in my destiny to number 36. <laughs> okay, so that's all from me. If you can, please do support my sponsor, AG1. It really is a great product and keeps advertisers spending some money with independent podcasters like me. And finally, thank you for all your support this year. I really, really appreciate it. And I wish you and your family a very happy and peaceful new year. So until we speak again next year, please do take it easy. And remember, despite all the others, stay classy. Cheerio for now. 18 plus.